0: why there should be a lot of excitement, I think, from Titans fans based on this performance. The flashes that he showed, the game-changing ability that this guy clearly has. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BrawleySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am not joined today by producer JT. He is uh, busy this afternoon. It's a it's a weird week. Fridays, typically we're not recording and he had something going on. No big deal. Happy to do a solo show for you today. Uh, appreciate everybody being here live with me. And uh, kind of a weird request here at the top of the show. But as we're live, um, if somebody in the comments wouldn't mind letting me know, making sure you can hear me loud and clear on This microphone was having some technical difficulties this afternoon. I think I fixed it, but I don't want to talk for the next 45 minutes to an hour and it not record it. So if you can hear me, if you could just go over to Broadway sports media on the YouTube channel, Broadway sports media in the comments there. Give me the thumbs up. Give me an okay. Give me something to know DP. There you go. Appreciate you being here with us live and letting me uh, know that you can hear me loud and clear, which is good news because I have lots and lots of thoughts on This Titans team, on Will Levis, on their loss to the Steelers on Thursday Night Football, on Mike Vrabel and his comments today at the podium, and the future of this franchise, both this season and beyond. I would love to hear your thoughts on those topics today. Very conversational opportunity for us here because I do not have JT with me, because I am flying solo. I am a seasoned veteran who is perfectly capable of ranting. If you know me and you know this show, you know I can sit here and talk to myself for 45 minutes. I'm capable of it, I'm willing to do it, but I'm happy to have a conversation today on whatever we'd like to talk about, and you can be a part of that conversation by going over and joining DP in the comments of the Broadway Sports Media YouTube channel. Also, if you're here with us live, do me a quick favor, send the link to a buddy, hit retweet, hit like, repost, whatever you can do to help us get as many eyeballs on this show as possible. All right, uh, one last housekeeping thing for us, by the way, at the at the YouTube channel, make sure you're subscribed. Help us out there, hit a subscribe button for us, hit that bells for notification, all that good stuff. Um, so you get the best Titans content up to date, and we get your subscription. It's mutually beneficial. It'll help everybody. Everybody wins, nobody loses. It's free real estate. Help us out. Uh, our wonderful and amazing sponsor here, probably sports media's uh excuse me, the hot read podcast is Boomba's craft pizza and tap house we were there last night as we advertised quite a bit our titans watch party went really well some folks got some free gear and we enjoyed watching the titans even though they did end up losing the game we had a good time with good eats and good drinks shout out to boss we were live there recording every single week on thursday nights not just last night so if you missed it and you'd like to come and hang out and watch some thursday night football with, with us in the future Go and uh, do that with us in Spring Hill at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House on any Thursday from now until the Super Bowl. All right. I see Skyler has joined DP in the comments, says that he wants the Titans to play Levis and build around him. And that is absolutely what they should do. And it's absolutely what we're going to talk about today. But let's start at the top. The Titans lose to the Steelers 20 to 16 in this one. And the Titans still blow on the road some things have not yet changed and this titans team cannot buy a decent performance when they are not in the comfort of their own stadium here in nashville they are now 3 and 5 not great not dead necessarily but a lot of work left to do and uh you know they their track record this season on the road has been horrible good thing they don't have to do that much more except just the next two games This is, you know, a three leg away stint that they're on right now. They better figure out how to play on the road or they really are not going to have anything going for them this season. And I really don't have any analysis on it beyond that. Playing on the road is harder for sure, but to be so much worse on the road than at home, pretty bizarre. I don't know if that reflects. I, I have a hard time picking anything concrete to say. Yeah, that reflects poorly on the team's mentality, the team's ability to fight through adversity, whatever it is, whether it's just coincidence or a reflection of something deeper. I don't know. I don't care, frankly. They've got to figure out how to win on the road or it's it's really not going to matter what they do the rest of the season. You could argue that what they do the rest of the season in terms of wins and losses already does not matter pretty boy Kelly joining in the comments saying the Titans are about to be three and seven without losing a home game somehow. It's important to point out along those lines. This is not to say that the Titans would be a good team if not for the NFL screwing them over. Absolutely not. The Titans are not a very good team right now, top to bottom. But it is very interesting how this team has, you know, kind of gotten screwed with their schedule in the sense that they've only got three home games in their first 10 outings this season. Part of that is a function of the Titans having played in London against the Ravens was a home team or home game. So they have technically four of their first 10 or home games, but really they've only playing in Nissan stadium in Nashville, three of their first 10 games. Now that does mean it evens out on the back half of the schedule and they're going to get, well, if it's three of their first 10, they have the seven games left and five games. So five of the last seven games on their schedule are at home. So that's good. If they're going to try to make a late season run, at things, but you know, if you're going to get into the playoffs as a wild card or maybe as the AFC South four seed, if the Jaguars fell apart somehow, you're going to have to be able to play on the road to contend. But I'm sure you're sitting at home saying, "Easton, that's not the point of the season, the point of this show, the point of what we're talking about with this Titans team right now. Why, why are we talking about the playoffs? Why are we talking about contending this year?" And you're right, fair point. Let's talk about what really matters, and that is uh, Will Levis. That is the future of this franchise, and that is how they can build around him going forward. Just a couple more things to tie up from the game last night. Uh, four trips, just to kind of sum up what went wrong. You got to start with four trips inside the opponent twenty-five yard line, and one touchdown. Can't can't do it. Can't have it. it it's kind of insane the red zone inefficiency. This t- this Titans team. Uh, has had so far this season. It's even. It's made even more insane by the fact that they were so fantastic with their red zone efficiency the past two or three seasons. It's wild how I mean, it's it's literally half half of the efficiency they had the past two seasons. I have or three seasons. I have the numbers here. Um, they've scored one touchdown on four red zone drives uh, in this Thursday game. It continues the trend for them where they are now at thirty five percent. Uh, on red zone drives this season, 35% of the time they get into the opponent's red zone. They have scored a touchdown third worst in the NFL this season. And to compare it to what they were doing the past couple of seasons, they were hitting at a 70% clip between 2019 and 2022, which was the best in the NFL. So they have literally swung the opposite direction. This red zone regression has been violent for them, and they've been well above average. Now they are sitting well below average, almost paying that karmic restitution for all of the, the red zone success they've had in the past couple of seasons. But it is truly wild how bad they've been, and it's going to be a recipe for losing ball games week in and week out. When you go to the red zone four times, when you outgain your opponent like they did in this one against the Steelers, and you lose, oftentimes it's because you were getting threes and not sevens. And part of that is luck. Part of that is execution. Part of that is mentality, play calling, aggressiveness on the part of the coaching staff. And there's absolutely some gripes to be had with how they approached the game last night. Very passive, especially in the second half. The the play calling, and I, I got to give Tim Kelly fair and, and uh, you know, even coverage here in the first half. I was really pleased with what he was doing. I thought he was in his bag, Thought the play calling was really, really nice. It got really conservative in the second half, especially at the end of the game when things mattered the most three run plays um, on that second to last possession for the Titans. They're marching down. They are in the red zone, three run plays in a row, including on third and four with Ty Spears. They pick up no nothing there. They go for it on fourth down. Will Levis tries to force that ball into Traylon Burks down the sideline. Traylon gets hurt. They don't convert. They turn the ball over. Now they got the ball back again after that. Um, and, you know, they things were less ideal than than in that penultimate drive where they had time. They were moving the ball. And they get down into that red zone and then go run, run, run. Now, I have no issue with running on third and four in a vacuum. I like that, that play. I like that call, actually, because um, it, it is uh, acknowledging that you are in fourth down territory situation you have two downs to play with in that situation and you're going to try to pick up whatever you can to make your fourth down as small as possible to give yourself the most options on fourth down maybe you steal the first down on third and four by running the ball maybe you make it fourth and one you can tush push you get to fourth and one at the very least the, the defense has to respect the run or the pass it gives you more options it makes it a higher likelihood that you convert so i like that but you can't run on third and four when you've just go gone run run and your your young quarterback who's been making plays for you all game, the first chance he has to throw the ball on that series is on fourth and fourth and four. It's not it's bad play calling. I'm sure Tim Kelly would like to have that series back. I'm sure that he wouldn't mind having that drive back. Um and I'm sure there are a number of instances in that second half where he is kicking himself because he can do better. We've seen him do better, and it, it just it wasn't very good in the second half. The play calling is not at the top of the list of the reasons why I think they lost this game, however. The defense is the number one thing that I have to point to. Uh, You have no Sean Murphy bunting and Roger McCreary for a lot of this game. That's brutal. You know, it turns out playing two undrafted free agents uh, at cornerback for a large portion of the game is not a recipe for success, even against a bad passing defense such as bad passing offense, such as, uh, as Pittsburgh and pardon me, as I'm trying to pull something up here, they had a a successful enough day against this Titans team passing. And in large part, that's because they were missing two of their top three cornerbacks. Now, one guy that I have to shout out a little bit, just as I'm getting all of this out on the table, we can discuss further. And I see you got questions and comments in the, in the comment section. We'll get to that here in just a second. Christian fold has had three sneaky, quiet nice games in a row he has bounced back from his early season disaster class quite nicely and so he deserves credit you know we're gonna give him a hard time when he, when he's playing poorly he deserves to be praised when he's playing well and he's it's not like he's made you forget about the early season stuff but he's had three really solid games in a row he's trending in the right direction that's good news for him it's good news for the titans Another guy that on the opposite side of the ball deserves mentioning in this game who's been sneaky it had a sneaky good game was Kyle Phillips led the team in receiving yards. I believe tied for the uh, team lead in receptions in this game. Uh, I've not got it pulled up, but I believe 50, 60 yards, something like that. A couple of really nice grabs downfield, which is not something I had on my Kyle Phillips bingo card. I did predict pregame yesterday on the show. If you caught us, caught us uh, doing the pregame show live that Kyle Phillips would have the most impact underneath in this game. So check on that prediction on my part. I did not have on that prediction card. However, he would be a downfield threat and that's what he was in this game. So that's good. And he's as my buddy, Robert Greenlaw put it on Twitter earlier today when he's healthy and on the field, he's seven 11, he's always open. He's got that short area burst, that short area quickness that allows him to separate pretty consistently, if not all the time against, especially against guys that are covering him in the slot or heaven forbid, a linebacker or a, a, a less athletic safety. It's a good recipe for him. And, He's the kind of guy that I think the Titans, if he can stay healthy, can really, really utilize down the stretch. And he and Will Levis should develop some chemistry. Um, but yeah, the defense as a whole was really, really poor. I'm not going to say it was the worst defensive performance I've seen from the Titans in a long time, but it certainly was one of them. And I'm struggling to think of another instance where it's really that bad in the past dozen or so Titans games that we've seen. Can um, Kenny, P- just kind of paint a picture here with one stat. Kenny Pickett completed two passes of more than seven yards downfield all night long, and the Titans defense still somehow allowed the Steelers to score 20 points, which is just terrible, terrible, terrible. The Steelers, by the way, are not a good team. This is not to say that they're the Titans should have won because they're better. Now, both teams are not any good, but it's hilarious that The that the Steelers are five and three. They are the biggest pretending team in the league right now. They are the the winner i mean they look a lot like the 2021 Steelers who started at what 10 and 0 11 and 0 12 and 0 the washed big ben team that fell apart and then lost to Baker Mayfield and the Browns in the wild card rounds down the stretch they seem like that but maybe even more fraudulent they're a lot like the Vikings of last year where they are one possession game merchants they are 5 and 3 if you flipped the results of every one possession game that they have played this season they would be 0 and 8 they are the only team in Super Bowl history excuse me in the super bowl era history to have a winning record through eight games despite being outgained in every single game it's wild it's crazy and listen if if you're like well easton is your point that they suck at everything on the field besides winning kind of yes and that's it's fair to say well winning's what matters and if you win you win who cares sure I get that and Mike Tomlin credit to him he's a great coach this is the kind of wily thing he can do get as much juice out of that squeeze as possible but They're not a good team. This is a team that the Titans should have beaten. They should have been more aggressive. It was there for the taking. They led a lot of the game, and they just couldn't get it done in the end. I credit this loss to the defense and the aggressiveness of the coaching and play calling for the most part, but the offense is not without its faults. They have to execute better. The thing on defense, though, that I'm really burying the lead on here that was astonishingly bad was the run defense. I mean, holy cow. Here's how many rushing yards. So just to paint the picture, the Titans defense has given up in each of the past 20 games, okay? See, you don't have to listen to every number and remember them in particular, but just see if you can pick up on a trend here, okay? Last 20 games for the Titans, rushing yards allowed by the run defense. 65, 43, 77, 65, 56, 108, 67, 60, 74, 70, 87, 19, 69, 61, 78, 72, 193, 138, 140, 166. Anybody want to explain what's going on with this Titans run defense? I mean, the, the vaunted Titans run defense that we've been watching do astonishing things to even the best rushers and offensive lines in the league for the past year plus. The past month, the past four games. One ninety three, one thirty nine, one forty, one sixty six. Holy cow! This is Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. We're talking about this is the Steelers' oftentimes non-existent run game. We're talking about what's going on? They made them look great. Tier Tart was in there. Jeffrey Simmons was in there. D'Niko Autry was in there. You had the guys. Yeah, the horses were all there. Nobody was on on the sidelines watching. I don't know how to explain it. I've not, I've not watched the All-22. I'm sure I'll have more thoughts once I have. It's not out yet. D- defensive regression is a funky thing that's kind of hard to track sometimes. So I don't, you know, maybe it's just the fact that they're regressing back to the mean. I, you, I think the number one thing I would point to, just anecdotally and having watched the, the broadcast copy and watched the tape of the past couple games where they've had really poor tackling on run defense the linebackers are a big part of this. Aziz Alshayar has been doing some really nice things. His run defense has been fine. Okay. He's played peekaboo a couple of times and it's, it's burnt him. Uh, Jack can't Jack Campbell. Excuse me. <laughs> good linebacker. Not a good linebacker. How about Jack Gibbons? Who's who's on this Titans team? I I'm out on Jack Gibbons. I don't, I don't think, I mean, he's fine. He's, he's a backup. He's a good depth player. He can't be your starter. He's just he's not he's getting lost out there. He's getting he's getting beat by better athletes than him on a pretty regular basis. He's making some plays. Don't get me wrong. And in coverage, he's all right, I suppose. But as a run defender, it's been brutal. And the, the gap integrity. Teams have kind of just taken this philosophy of let's run away from Jeffrey Simmons and see what happens. The past four games, it's, it's worked out really well for them. So if you, if folks in the comments have thoughts on the run defense, what you think is going on here, I, I see Josh Medina in the comments uh, asking, Jim Schwartz not being there. If in general, people are wondering if Jim Schwartz's absence, Shane Bowen taking over this Titans defense in full for the first time in a couple of seasons has anything to do with the defensive regression? Maybe. Maybe. I'm open to that idea. Um what I'm not really open to is blaming the run defense on Jim Schwartz's absence. Maybe I'm maybe somebody much smarter than me and who's in in a front office somewhere or on coaching staff somewhere would tell me I'm misinformed or ill-informed on this but from what I understand re- run defense is is about discipline with your gaps and physical tackling. And just you got it's kind of a it's a skill thing, right? Like scheming up run defense is just gap integrity, as far as I'm aware. And and having burst and, and hitting the hole and being aggressive and and not getting burnt too far upfield, but getting upfield in a hurry. And like it, it's just do you have the guys or do you not? It's a personnel thing is what I'm ultimately trying to say here. The guys are out there. Shane Bowen's he can't do the tackling for them. He can't. Have gap integrity for them. He he can't force them not to play peekaboo at times, like Mike Vrabel has been talking about. Like, I think that's the most frustrating thing about this team. I would guess it's probably the most frustrating thing to those coaches in the coaching uh meetings today and this week. Mike Vrabel talked a long time about it on uh on this afternoon's press conference. At this afternoon's press conference, I think it's pretty clearly irking him. Um, and so yeah, it, it's it's tough. I I can't I cannot get myself to the point of saying Jim Schwartz is the reason the run defense is bad if that makes sense I just don't I don't see that I don't think you can blame one assistant leaving uh, you know for the run defense suddenly falling apart it doesn't really track to me um Josh also just to address some more comments here Steelers defense was the best unit on the field last night they are and were the better team uh last night I mean the better team won that game yeah just in general they played better um it, better is a relative term. It was kind of two crappy teams and the let, slightly less crappy team won last night. Um, I, I'll say this. We talked pre-game about how this defense is not necessarily good, but it's opportunistic. What were they last night? They were opportunistic. They they did a good job of capitalizing in big spots, and so they won the game. Good good for them. The Titans have really only themselves to blame for that performance. I still feel like they had it. It was there for the taking, and they they got soft at the end. They played not to lose. And when you play not to lose, oftentimes you lose. You got to play to win the game. Uh, some other comments here. DP saying, I know this take weeks, but I honestly don't care how many games we win. I think we hit on a QB and could potentially have a Bengals-esque ascendance if we have a home run offseason. That's my focus. Absolutely. And that's what we're about to talk about. About to have a lot of thoughts on Will Levis here. Um, Skylar saying kind of quietly, the Titans front seven outside of Simmons needs replacing in the offseason. Um if you're basing it off of this one game, sure. I think Arden Key's having more of an impact than we give him credit for. We talked about it on the pregame show yesterday. There's some numbers that indicate they do a much better job with him on the field than without him, and he's been a plus player for them. Tier Tarts also had some plus plays, and Dinico Autry's mostly had good games this year. Everything just – if your point is that Simmons is the only guy that's consistently playing well – I would agree. He is consistently playing well. The other guys have flashes. They just got to put it together and stack some games. You know what I mean? They they can't put them together week after week, and that's the issue here. Uh, one more, Ryan Fick asking, where is Thomas Otakoya? They should have started him three his three week window weeks ago. Wesco is not the blocker king we were promised. I don't have a strong take on that. Like I I'm a, I, if you followed me in, in August and, and my thoughts on this team in training camp, I was a huge Thomas Otakoya fan. I think he's a player worth having on the active roster, but I, I don't really have a huge problem with Wesco and Wiley and Chig right now to the point that I think they need to bring him up. If they did, would I understand it? Absolutely. I would. And I'd love to see him get a chance, but he's still an unknown at this point. There are guys, I think that, they're getting too much um, hate for their their blocking efforts. I think that they're having to help a really dreadful offensive line, um, which we're going to get into a lot here in a second. Um, Josh responding. Absolutely, Levis is a gamer. And we could be looking at a top 10 pick and $100 million in the offseason to use. We are about to see what Carthen can do. Absolutely. So let's talk about Will Levis in this game. And if you're joining me live, head on over to Probably Sports Media's YouTube page to be a part of the conversation today. Just me, no JT. Happy to talk about whatever you'd like. You just got to send your thoughts, comments, queries, questions over in the Probably Sports Media live stream of this show. The comment section of that live stream is where you can participate. Okay. Um, he looked really good again, Will Levis. I was impressed. Far from great, but the flashes were all there. Very good, good stuff. I I was pleased with it. It was kind of what I was expecting to see from him. And I was afraid he'd have a a real letdown game. If you just look at the stats, I believe he was, what, 22 of 39, something along those lines for completions. um, And 260-some-odd yards. I'm pulling these right off the top of my head, so excuse me if they're slightly wrong. Uh, Zero touchdowns, one interception. So on paper, not great but certainly far from a disaster class for him. That interception at the end, like I feel like this is deja vu from his first preseason outing where he throws a pick at the end, trying to win the game on a desperation throw. It means nothing. Was it a great throw? No. Was it a, a poor read? Probably, but it's a desperation situation. You, you, It's a, it's a must pass situation. The defense is playing soft, trying to prevent a touchdown because they know you need to get seven and not three. I, that's a wash that's a wash the, the, what he had done up until that point in that game absolutely had earned him the right to be respected for that performance and as we're going to get into be the starter for this team going forward um some mistakes were made like the the choice to go to tra- my, my biggest pet peeve where well, my biggest critique of him last night i suppose was that decision to go to Traylon down the sideline his his proclivity and ability to push the ball downfield it's very much a blessing and a curse it's got it's a little bit of josh allen the way that He had the golden retriever quality of his play had to be reined in over the years where he wants to push the ball downfield. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to try to make the shot plays and the splash plays every down. Sometimes you just got to take what you're given underneath. And that takes discipline that takes under, you know, reps to understand the situation that you're in. So not a huge issue with that in general. In key moments, you got to know better than on fourth and four to try to push the ball down the sideline to Traylon Burks. I think, and I've got to go back and watch. I want to see his body language and and look at his reads from the tape. But it didn't look to me like he looked anywhere but Traylon on that play. He had Kyle Phillips, and if you if you want to see how open he was, you can find it on my social media. I think uh, our buddy Teron Davenport had it on his, and I retweeted it uh, on, on X. But he had Kyle Phillips on an in-breaking route in the slot on the opposite side of the field. He didn't look at him. I, I think he just identified trail and pre-snap is my guess. Liked the one-on-one matchup. He had wanted to give his guy a chance to go get the ball in a vacuum. Sure. Fine. I like the decision. I like the aggressiveness. The throw was good enough to be competitive and gave trail and a chance to catch it. Good execution. Good. Everything. The decision in the situation is no bueno. It's not good. You can't, you can't do that. You got to take what you're given. It's fourth down. You've got plenty of time to score about four minutes left on the clock. And you've got a bunch of timeouts left to use, take the dump off, get some more yards, get a fresh set of downs and and then try for the end zone. And and he just got too aggressive there. So that's a situation. Um, you you gotta be better in. And then the Spears throw where he overthrows that, that loomed large where they ended up getting three, I believe it was right before the half. They ended up getting three instead of seven because uh, Will Levis misses Tajay Spears, a slight overthrow to him in the flat in the red zone. And Spears is backpedaling, jumps for the ball, can't quite bring it in. A lot of discourse on that today. Mike Vrabel said in his comments after having watched the tape last night at the podium today that he felt like um, Tajay was in a fine position. Will has to have a better ball there. It's a little bit of both, I think. In real time, I thought it was on Tajay because it looked like he flipped his hips two or three or four steps too early and was backpedaling a ton to try to catch that ball. If he just can, I still, after having rewatched it this afternoon, I still believe both players could have done better. I think that ball if that's a wide receiver and not a running back, that ball is absolutely catchable. The receiver is getting their hand on that ball. There's an element of body control there that you're asking a receiver to, to do and expecting them to be able to handle that. When you're asking a running back to have that kind of body control, that that's a fair criticism of Levis to know this is running back. You got to make this ball more catchable for him. Fair. Fine. It's also true. I think eminently true that if he had just not flipped his hips, kept running upfield, looked over his shoulder, flipped his hips two or three steps later, he would have been able to catch that ball. That ball is catchable. It's not on a rope. It was a lollipop. It was available for the taking. He didn't take it a bad execution on his part. So, A little bit of both there. Both guys could be better in that situation. But those are just some examples of the mistakes he made. He made some really, really nice decisions, some really nice throws in this game. There was a lot more good than bad to me. And that's why there should be a lot of excitement, I think, from Titans fans based on this performance. The flashes that he showed, the game-changing ability that this guy clearly has. Like We talk all the time about how quarterbacks in this league are are either trackers or trailers. But you're either a quarterback that is pulling your team along. You're the one doing the heavy lifting. You can be a a player that your team wins because of and not wins with. And then you can be a trailer quarterback, somebody that your team absolutely can win with, will win with. But you got to have a tractor of a team to pull them along. They're not the ones doing the heavy lifting. They're not the ones driving the ship. That's very much like a Ryan Tannehill, a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, trailer quarterbacks. the the tractor quarterbacks the josh allen's the patrick mahomes the the Justin Herberts right the the Aaron Rodgers the Jalen Hurts like these guys have that game breaking game changing ability they have a superpower two or three that allows them to bust a game wide open and forces the defense to play them differently than they play any any old ho-hum run of the mill quarterback and Levis's ability to push the ball downfield is one of those is one of those superpowers. The to, to kind of rein in on that and, and really narrow down what I think is truly his superpower for this Titans team right now. And I was talking to my dad about this today over lunch. We we ran and grabbed some lunch and I was asking him from his perspective, just, you know, a casual fan, what that's not fair. Sorry, dad, more of a diehard fan, but a fan, right? I asked him what he felt like was the most impressive thing about Levis in these past two games over what we've seen from Tannehill. And he pointed out, this is a very great point, so credit to you, Dad. It's the ability that Levis has in the pocket, without a perfect base, without much time to get his arm up and back and through to make a throw, to just generate power out of nowhere that allows him not just to be a very good quarterback if he continues to, to progress and develop, but allows for him to make up for some of the shortcomings of this Titans team in particular in the past protection. Um, it's not great. And we're going to get to the offensive line and how horrendous they've been in a minute. He's making up for that in a lot of ways. And he is doing something that Ryan Tannehill can't do when he is navigating the pocket, when he is rolling out and scrambling and extending a play, when he's a play is broken and he is creating opportunities for himself and his team with his legs, with his size, with his, with his athleticism and uh, with his ability to, like my dad said, generate power from nowhere. Doesn't necessarily need a great base. Doesn't necessarily need a full motion. Doesn't necessarily need an over the top stock arm angle can throw from multiple different platforms at multiple different levels, right? That's a big deal for him, for any quarterback and for a quarterback in this situation on this Titans team. And so, when he makes those plays, um, for for example, Titans first and twenty three, backed up in there, he's throwing the ball from practically his own end zone, right? I believe it was the third quarter, sometime in the second half. In the past, you'd say this they're off schedule. They're way too off schedule on this drive. You can go ahead and chalk it up to a punt. Some teams in the league, the Kansas City's, the Buffaloes, the Cincinnati's, with those guys getting to first and twenty three, and as a defense, you're you're excited but you're not necessarily writing them off this drive being over. Then there are teams like Pittsburgh and in the recent past, Tennessee and Atlanta, right? Where you get into second and 10, first and 20, you know, these long down and distances and you're pretty much as a fan or as a neutral spectator thinking to yourself, okay, this drives over. Let's just go ahead and punt. Like they're not, they, they, they don't pick these up. That's been the Titans. That's been the Titans with Ryan Tannehill this season so far. Levis picks it up, 29-year completion to DeAndre Hopkins. He did that a couple of times last night. Made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. That's the kind of thing, that's the kind of game-breaking tractor ability that he brings to this team. It is a really big deal, and it is one of the many reasons why they have to stick with him. Now let's talk about sticking with him. We got a lot of comments from head coach Mike Vrabel at the podium today on Will Levis. Let me get a drink here real quick. He was asked, of course, at the top of the press conference, whether or not Will Levis would be the guy going forward for this Titans team, as he very clearly and obviously, I can't tell you how clear and obvious this is, should be. He said, and I quote, "Uh, here's the question. Mike Vrabel, are you ready to name Will Levis your starter from our buddy Teresa Walker over at the AP? Teresa asks, are you ready to name him the starter? Vrabel uh, responds, no, I'm not ready to. Yet now that yet is is, yet. He said, yes, do it. It's doing some work. And frankly, that's a better response from Vrabel, a more optimistic response, promising response from Vrabel than I expected him to give, but he gave it. And I'm hoping that this is just him coyly pushing it until next week for him to announce Will Levis as the starter going forward. Some other comments from him in this press conference on Levis. Uh, He said that he's not ready to name Levis the starter yet, but they'll evaluate the depth chart over the weekend, let the media know on Tuesday. So if they're true to their word on Tuesday, we will know who the Titans starter is, at least for the Tampa Bay game, if not for the rest of the season. He went on to say that they will base the decision on who gives them the best chance to win, but he understands there are some future implications that they have to consider. He also said about quarterback Will Levis on Thursday, some good plays, some decisions we cannot make. Okay, a lot to unpack here. Um, I, I'm one of the bigger variable defenders you're going to find, and you're seeing a lot of this take online today, and it's it's true, so I have to repeat it. Vrabel is a very good coach. I've been a very big fan of what he's done. I think that he's a, a coach that should not be on the hot seat right now. He's a one of the better coaches in the league, and I, I have faith in him to to operate in general, do his job at a high level. That being said, if if he goes back to Ryan Tannehill, if he forces Ryan Tannehill back on us, th- there's there's nothing I can do about that. Like there's going to be a lot of calls for his job from a lot of folks that are pissed off at that decision if he makes it, and there's really nothing I'm going to be able to say to push back on that. I'm not saying that he should be fired. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying if if you were to hear that he's putting Tannehill back out there over a healthy Will Levis. And going with the guy that he claims is going to be the the best, give the Titans the best chance at winning. Now, there's going to be folks say that that's a fireable offense, and I I'm not going to be able to disagree with that. I'm not saying he's going to. I I still have faith that he's not going to. But we we had a social clip about this from our Monday show last week or earlier this week, that how this conversation was coming. I figured by the end of this week we'd be having it, and here we are having it. You could argue it's a fireable offense, and. Uh, I wouldn't stop you there. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about that. If he does it, I, d- I don't want to get into, I don't, I don't, I don't have any words. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to say. It will be so unbelievably crazy and stupid and narrow minded and, and short sighted that I won't really even know how to get into it. And I, I'm going to refuse to, to get ahead of myself and be angry about it. Now let's, let's wait, give him the benefit of the doubt, see if he makes the right decision come next week. But He said there at the end, quote, some decisions we cannot make. Will Levis made, he made some good plays, but he made some decisions we cannot make. If that's just a statement of fact and is a review of Levis's performance last night, totally fine. No issue with that. Sure. He had some nice plays. He made some decisions you can't make. That's a rookie quarterback for you. That's a guy in a second ever start on the road on a short week. That's sure. Absolutely. If that is, however, laying the groundwork to excuse yourself for not continuing to play him to excuse going back to Ryan Tannehill to find a way out of having to give him more reps this season and kind of chalk up the year to a fact-finding mission on Will Levis and this roster and see if you can get him jump-started for the 2024 season. It's inexcusable, right? Levis has always been the type of prospect since well before the draft ever came around and we were scouting him and we I've talked about this Greg Cosell mentioned this in the pre-draft process and it's it's rang true to me ever since it's absolutely the case that Will Levis is exactly the kind of quarterback prospect that needs to be given the opportunities to learn by making mistakes he's not a guy that came in and was a highly rated prospect because of his polish coming out of of college it wasn't because he's incredibly accurate or he's incredibly sharp mentally. And this guy, he's, he's, but he's well ahead of the average quarterback coming out of college at game comprehension. This guy's going to be a plug and play starter for you day one, because he's already at a a level closer to his ceiling than most are. And so he's, he's got that NFL pedigree. It was, it was the, the five tool aspect of his physical traits of his athletic ability of the flashes that you saw and that diamond in the rough that you could see in him as a prospect that just needed to be cut down into a beautiful, glorious form, needed to be refined, needed to be polished. That's the kind of prospect he is. And that kind of prospect, like Josh Allen is a very popular common example, recent example, is the kind of guy that you need to give many, many games to make those mistakes, to learn on the job, to experience a bit of a trial by fire that's also just the nature of playing rookie quarterback in the NFL. That's an obvious thing to say, but it's, it bodes. It's worth saying it's worth. it's worth mentioning because this cannot, cannot, cannot be the reason why you don't play him. Now the mistakes are the function of the process, not a flaw. They're a function, not a flaw. You gotta let him make them. You gotta give him reps to do that. You gotta start him the rest of the year. Inexcusable not to, if he's healthy, he has to play. Okay. Um, before I get to the offensive line and then we get out of here, some comments from you all in the uh, comment section over on Broadway sports media's YouTube channel, Broadway sports media on YouTube, join the conversation there. Give us a subscription, subscribe for free and find this live stream to be a part of the combo. Skylar Hyde saying to me, the answer to both questions is Levis is best for your future and gives you the best chance to win. And this is a fair point, Skylar, because you could argue this Titans team still has a chance at the playoffs. They could sneak in as a wild card. They could, if the Jaguars fell apart, win the AFC South. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They're they're three and five. If you win out, you're you're eleven and five. Like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's harder now because you lost this game, but not impossible. You've got some winnable games coming up. You could argue. Okay, we well, got to go with the guy that can give you the best chance to win. Our, I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill isn't better in many elements of the game right now than Will Levis, but uniquely situated for this team. He is not. And Will Levis is, I would argue again, his ability to navigate the pocket to extend plays. Ryan Tannehill has been truly one of, if not the worst quarterback in the league this season doing that. And on this team, that's a really, 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 really valuable skill. It's a very vital skill. It's a necessary skill in order for this offense really to operate with any kind of explosiveness any kind of consistency we saw Ryan Tannehill and the offense whenever things got off schedule the inability for him to, to, to make something out of nothing just didn't really exist he's he gotten to that point where he's he's just he's lost it right I, I don't know how else to say it like he, it's, he's starting to decline and you can see a massive difference now he looked a lot like Levis does now when he came into the Titans in 2019 2020 like those were the flashes we saw from him that made us excited the quick release, the decisiveness, the aggressiveness, the ability to throw the ball downfield, the sneaky athleticism. That was the MO of Ryan Tannehill. He's kind of lost that with age. Naturally so, not his fault. Will Levis, young, spry, has the ability to do all those things. So that's that's why you've got to go with him. And you could absolutely argue, Skyler, that Will Levis gives you just as good a chance to win now as Ryan Tannehill does. And of course, long term for this franchise, Will Levis is the clear and obvious choice to invest your time and energy into. Okay, some offensive line thoughts, and then we get out of here, right? Will Levis was pressured on 52.3% of his dropbacks last night per PFF charting. The league average, for for reference, Titans last night, 52.3% of dropbacks. There was pressure. League average this year is about 35%. Some of the worst offenders, Andre Dillard, shockingly, allowed one sack and seven total pressures. Peter Skoronsky, zero sacks, five pressures, not his best game at all. Aaron Brewer, zero sacks, four pressures, a fine game from him. The only guy on the offensive line that stayed in the entire time, by the way, stayed healthy the entire time. NPF, one sack, three pressures, which sounds not that bad, but it was on 10 pass block snaps. So on 10 potential opportunities to fail, he failed on four of them, assuming the sack and the, maybe three of them, one sack, three pressures on 10 total pass block snaps, no good, can't do it. Dylan Raiden's zero sacks, three pressures, and he played, uh, I think, north of 20 pass block snaps. So uh, maybe the best performance across the board for him in that game. Um, Let's run through real quick the permutations, and I I might have this wrong, but I did some digging back from tweets from those uh, of us in the media pool that were at the game last night and tried to piece together the timeline of what this offensive line looked like in this game. Okay, a big part of the loss here was the revolving door at the offensive line and the fact that you had two of your best three corners out for a lot of the game. Um, the injuries really started to pile up for the Titans, and having this mini bye after this game is, a, I think, a very needed thing for them. But here's what the offensive line looked like for the entirety of the game start to finish. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different versions of the offensive line as the game went on. Started out with, from left to right, Dillard Skoronsky, Brewer, Brunskill, NPF. Right. Then Dillard Skoronsky, Brewer, Brunskill, Raidens, who came in for an injured MPF. Then Dillard Skoronsky, Brewer, Raidens kicked inside for an injured uh, 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 Brunskill. And MPF comes back in at that right tackle. Then Dillard Levin coming in for a hurt, Peter Skoronsky, Brewer, Brunskill, Raidens kicking back outside for MPF. Brunskill comes back in. MPF goes out and is hurt with a shoulder injury. is, Is questionable to return. Never does. Then it was Dillard Skaronski back in Levin back out Aaron Brewer Brunskill Raiden still at right tackle. Then it was Jalen Duncan, sixth round rookie Jalen Duncan in for an injured Andre Dillard. You know, they were really scraping the bottom of the barrel when Jalen Duncan had to come out there and play left tackle for them. It was Duncan Skaronski Brewer Brunskill Raiden's and then Dillard again came back. It was Dillard Skaronski Brewer Brunskill Raiden. So a clown car. I mean, a game of musical chairs at the at the offensive line position. Most impressed with what Dylan Raidens did, considering he had to bump inside and outside, come on the field and off the field, and he did a good job with whatever assignment he was given. So that's a big deal um, for him and for his progression, but for the rest of these guys, really tough. Some notes just on the best and the worst. Andre Dillard, he leads the entire league right now in pressures allowed, 34 quarterback hits allowed 9 sacks allowed 8 and that's with 44 other tackles having played more pass block snaps than him and he's managed to lead all of those guys something i have to put my hand up on and our buddy Mike Curndon friend of the show we give him crap for being wrong all the time um but he he absolutely got this right and he deserves his flowers for it i got to hit put my hand up was wrong about this i claimed all summer i don't care how bad this offensive line is they cannot be worse than the tackle situation last year i Stand corrected. Holy cow! Andre Dillard can't be off this roster fast enough. And MPF has looked really bad so far. Frankly, it's it's not been good. um Alex Highsmith last night generated eleven pressures against the Titans, nine of which came in matchups against Andre Dillard. Good lord, he, he, he can't be gone fast enough. He's he's an you could go ahead and write in Sharpie. He's a cut as soon as this Titans season is over. And we're at the point now where you can safely say that the Titans starting tackles this season starting now should probably be Dylan and Hubbard right Dylan Raiden's and Chris Hubbard once Hubbard is healthy again from his concussion those should be your best two guys I think that they are your best two guys on the outside right now if I'd made that comment two months ago you probably would have started thinking twice before trusting what I have to say but Dillard and MPF have really been that bad i think that the number three and four tackles on the roster should really be the number one and number two tackles on the roster and maybe we'll see if they make that adjustment going forward another interesting comment today i have i don't know what to make of this but i saw it and i thought it was worth mentioning just curious according to mike keith voice of the titans uh he said on four five this morning i believe on ramona kayla and will in the morning ramon kayla and will not ramona sorry ramon um he said we quote we had a very interesting discussion with the Titans coaching staff about Jalen Duncan this week. And they're very up on him. Interesting. Interesting. He's been on the active roster uh for a good bit of the season. He made the cut for the team. He was a guy in the sixth round who I was pre-draft really pushing. Like if you want a flyer on a tackle, a developmental tackle in the later rounds, go get Jalen Duncan. So I was quite pleased when they went and got him. Um I was underwhelmed by his performance in the spring and then underwhelmed again in the in the summer during training camp. But Sounds like he may be coming around DP saying I'm honestly down to see Duncan play over Dillard or MPF. It can't be any worse. I think careful saying that, as you just said, we said that last year coming into this year. You never you can always be worse. Apparently, is the lesson we're learning here. But um that is interesting on Duncan. And the last thing I'll say, I, here I am back at the dead horse. Just we're going to whack, 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 beat away. Um Peter Skronsky should still be given a chance at left tackle. Sorry. Like if you, and this is a point I'm seeing made by folks online. It's one that I see folks kind of disagree with um, vehemently when they think uh, here's the, here's the, uh, the common disagreement, right? It's like, why would you move him out to left tackle? If you're wanting to make him a guard, if maybe you get marginally better tackle performance this year, whatever, who cares about this year? It's not about this year. It's about the future. And you want to make him a great guard going forward. Sure. Fine. No issue with that. Uh, My point, my counterpoint to that is if the season truly means nothing more than being a fact-finding mission on what you can learn about this quarterback, learn about this roster, learn about what you're going to be in 2024, why not let the young man play when he was a stud, stud left tackle in college, and there's a chance that he could be an outlier? Like, you don't know. Of course, the Titans coaching staff thinks that they know. They think that they know what this guy is based on practice. I would point out they also have thought they've known what Dylan raids has been this entire time. And we've seen that make them look kind of foolish a couple of times now when raids had to come in at tackle and has played pretty well. So like they're clearly fallible. They are fallible in this department. I see no reason to not give them a chance because listen, you're going to have to go out and buy with your cap space or with your draft picks. You have to use very, very valuable assets, valuable, um, uh, uh, capital on probably two tackles this offseason like that has to be your number one priority at least getting one really serviceable really good tackle in the building probably two that's going to be expensive it's going to be costly and if you might might be sitting on one already wouldn't you like to know if you are like for sure wouldn't you like to find that out without a shadow of a doubt because the positional value yes the argument still you hear all the time well even if he can play a tackle he's a better guard. Buddy, that's most tackles in the like that's the nature of the position. It's harder to play tackle. The guy's positional value of a guy Peter Skoronsky is a, a Madden level, you know, 85 at at left tackle and a Madden level 97 at left guard. Yeah, he's the better guard, but an 87 left tackle is so much more valuable than a 97 left guard. It is so much more valuable. It's so much harder to find the, the drop off from good tackle to bad tackle and good guard to bad guard. The difference is monumental. It's a grand canyon between good tackle and bad tackle. The a replaceability factor for the interior offensive line. It exists to a level that the tackle doesn't even sniff. Like this this feels so obvious to me. Give the guy a chance. See, just see what you might have in him. And if you if it doesn't work, then then you can at least know, OK, we got we definitely need two new tackles. Cool. This guy's gonna be a great guard for us. Excited about him. Excited about our future. All right. Um. And, and DP saying John Ajoku too. Yeah, Give him a chance. Why not? See what see what the Boise State product can do. All right. That's going to be it for me today. Kind of a weird show. Just got some some things to rant about, some things off my chest. We'll be back on Monday morning recording live on Sunday afternoon, I believe. I'm not sure. Positive yet. I know got some kind of mini buy travel plans. JT's got some business to attend to, so we'll be back at some point on Monday, whether it's live on Monday or posted Monday after a Sunday recording, whatever it is. Make sure to check out the show wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your YouTube videos at Broly Sports Media on YouTube. Check us out there. Check us out on Twitter. Follow us at Hot Read Pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Follow me at Easton Freeze on social media. Give us the likes, give us the subscriptions, all those free things you can do for us to help out the show would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for tuning in with us live. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Sunday of NFL watching without the Titans stress. And we will talk to you here on the hot read podcast again next week.